0: I don't know who, as that was being sung, I don't know who was kind of popping into your mind as that was being sung, but I had a very particular person who was coming to mind as, as during that, so thank you. Well, it is Father's Day, and so happy Father's Day to all of you other pops out, out, pops out there. And since it's Father's Day, I'd like to focus today on the, the character of Boaz. And he's the only adult named male in the entire book of, of Ruth. And as we're looking at the different relationships that she had, the relationship with her her mother-in-law. But I want to give you a little background on Boaz. So Boaz was the great, uh, he was the great King David's great-great-grandfather. So David, the the great king of of Israel, this was his great-grandfather who lived a few generations before him. He lived in Bethlehem, which would then go on to be known as the city of David where Jesus would be born centuries later. And it was, a, it was an agricultural town, and Boaz was relatively well-to-do, and he was respected. But more than that, just in the, what we know about Boaz from the story, though, is that he was a person of character. And he had a couple qualities that stand out to me. Qualities that made him a good parent, and neighbor and those qualities are he was caring and he was safe so today I, we're going to hear a little of his story and maybe you will see some of, the qual- some of the qualities in him that you would like to grow in yourself.
1: Just then Boaz arrived from Bethlehem he said to the harvesters may the Lord be with you and they said to him may the Lord bless you Boaz said to his young man, the one who was overseeing the harvesters, to whom does this young woman belong? The young man who was overseeing the harvesters said, she's a young Moabite woman, the one who returned with Naomi from the territory of Moab. She said, please let me glean so that I might gather up grain from among the bundles behind the harvesters. She arrived and has been on her feet from morning until now and has sat down for only a moment. Boaz said to Ruth, haven't you understood my daughter? Don't glean in another field, don't go anywhere else. Instead, stay here with my young women. Keep your eyes on the field that they are harvesting and go along after them. I've ordered the young men not to assault you Whenever you are thirsty, go to the jugs and drink from what the young men have filled.
0: So there, when I was working for an accounting firm years ago, there was one of the partners in the firm and his name was Al. And about once a week, Al would do this thing. Kinda, he would do a tour. There were about 150 of us that were working on this floor in downtown Minneapolis. And Mal, Al would do a stroll around the floor. And every single time you saw the guy, he would tell you about how billable hours were down. Whether they were or weren't, it didn't matter. And that he was not paying us to stand around. And we were cattle to this guy. Um, We served a purpose uh, until we didn't. And after one of Al's uh, visits, I remember my, my manager, a woman named Nancy, And Nancy had worked for him for a decade. So she had been through this ritual hundreds of times. And I remember her just under her voice said, you know, he could just say, good morning. (laughs) Boaz was a better sort of boss. He cares about his workers. Even the way that he greets them, think about it. He says, may the Lord be with you. He greets them with a blessing. He notices, even when a new gl- gleaner. Now, gleaners are actually, you don't get any money for gleaners. They follow behind. So they, they are not putting any money into, they are not billable. I didn't think about it. They are not billable. Um, they, uh, they just follow behind. But he notices that there's a new gleaner. And that's kind of the lowest rank. Ruth shows up and he asks about her. And he doesn't ask her about her in a gross way but he notices that she's new on the job and he assures her that it's okay to eat with the workers, to drink from the water uh, water jugs because she came wearing, uh, bearing all the water she was gonna drink that day and that she doesn't need to bring her own. The guy cares and he anticipates her questions and, contr- and concerns and he treats her with respect and no, Sometimes you read it, and it's not just because he notices her. I really don't think it's kind of in a gross way. I think this is just who he is. He notices that there's new people around. He cares. He cares about the people who are around him. And so how about you? Do the people who are around you right now or where you work, do they know that you care? I guess the first question is, do you care? That's an important one first, but I I suppose. But what can you do to show people that you value them?
1: Then she bowed down, face to the ground, and replied to him, How is it that I have found favor in your eyes, that you you notice me? I'm an immigrant. Boaz responded to her, Everything that you did for your mother-in-law after your husband's death has been reported fully to me. How you left your father, your mother, the land of your birth, and came to a people who hadn't you hadn't known beforehand. May the Lord reward you for your deed. May you receive a rich reward from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you've come to seek refuge. She said, May I continue to find favor in your eyes, sir, because you've comforted me, and because you've spoken kindly to your female servant, even though I'm not one of your female servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here, eat some of the bread, dip your piece in the vinegar. She sat alongside the harvesters, and he served her roasted grain. She ate, was satisfied, and had leftovers. Then she got up to glean. Boaz ordered his young men, let her glean between the bundles. Don't humiliate her. Also, pull out some of the bales for her and leave them behind for her to glean. And don't scold her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed what she had gleaned. It was about an ephah of barley, which I looked up, by the way, it's about a bushel. She picked it up and went into town. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She brought out what she had left over after eating her fill and gave it to her.
0: A few years back, there was a trend. You might, I remember people in church, I remember people doing this. People would wear safety pins to indicate that they were safe people. And I want to talk a little bit about that, about what it means to be a safe person person. Being a safe person means that you see all people as equal in dignity, equal in worth. That you recognize that everyone is a child of God. Whether you agree with them or even like them, but you absolutely uphold their dignity. Now Ruth is a a foreigner. She's an immigrant in Boaz's Bethlehem. And she's not an Israelite. And she is literally taking food from his people. He gets no benefit. He gets no billable hours for uh, for what what Ruth is doing. But Boaz recognizes that she has inherent God-given dignity, and he treats her accordingly. Now, Ruth, as it's clear in the story, Ruth is actually pretty amazing. She is, she's, she's amazing. There is no doubt on that. But even if she weren't, she is still worthy of your love and generosity. As Jesus put it,
1: If you love those who love you, why should you be commended? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, why should you be commended? Even sinners do that. If you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, why should you be commended? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be paid back in full. Instead, love your enemies, do good, and lend expecting nothing in return. If you do, you will have a great reward. You will be acting the way children of the Most High act. For God is kind to ungrateful and wicked people. Be compassionate just as God is compassionate.
0: This world needs more safe people. People who can be trusted to act with compassion, generosity to everyone, absolutely everyone. And so I want to bring up a, a touchy subject. Last summer, a young transgender person reached out to Pastor Michael about which bathroom to use when she came on Sunday mornings to Colonial Church. And she, and she goes by she, passes as female. I, I didn't even know that, that she was trans. But she's listed as male on her driver's license. And it's now become the law in Kansas that she has to either go into a male or a gender-inclusive restroom. And she was very concerned about going into the men's room. Didn't seem safe because when she came here, she knew that instantly if she did that, she would be outed instantly. And she also thought, I could potentially get yelled at. So she had been trying for months not to use the restrooms when she came to church, and she'd been doing that for months. But as you know, when you gotta go, you gotta go. And there was one Sunday where she almost had an accident, and she was so upset. So she came to Pastor Michael and talked to him, and he came to me, and, and I asked if it would be if I could take her tr- her concern to the church leadership, and, and she was okay with that, and. After all, we are an open and affirming congregation. And so the church leadership, they discussed it. And in Christ's spirit of compassion, inclusivity, and mercy, they decided to convert the what had been the women's restroom on this level to be gender inclusive so that everyone had a, a safe place to go. This world needs safe places and people. And that takes being willing to recognize that everyone deserves the dignity of having a safe place, even if that safe place is a restroom. Now, I know, and I've heard grumblings about this, and so I appeal to Christ's values to, every, that, to everyone that to be a person that others can feel safe to be themselves around. To put Christ's teachings into practice in ways that bless people, whether you relate to them or not. Now, I look at Boaz, and Boaz was one of those everyday people who lived 3,000 years ago. He had no idea that the choices that he was making to be uh, a caring and a safe person, that those choices would echo through the centuries. They would come to Jesus and they would come to us. None of us know what the choices that we're making today, how they're going to affect the future. None of us know that. And I I, I seriously doubt that in 3,000 years, anybody is going to remember my name. I'll be gone 3,000 years in the past. But given the time that we have, These days where we draw breath, each one of us, we have an opportunity to choose to develop the qualities in ourselves that define our character. And this becomes our legacy. This is what goes on after us and extends long after our names have been forgotten. And this is Father's Day. And it's a day where I think about the kids that I am blessed to have in my life. And it's not just the ones that I'm biologically related to. I think about the kids in this church who I am so proud of, those kids who are going to go out and make a difference this week. And I think about the qualities that I'm trying to grow in myself that will someday become my legacy. How about you? Will you pray with me? Spirit of Christ, help me grow in your way. Help me choose the qualities of caring and safety that you have shown in people throughout the years. Let this be how I am remembered as our legacy continues down through the generations to come. Amen.